0: Bane's name is one that causes immediate fear and trepidation in those who hear it. His goal is to rule at the top of the Faerunian pantheon as the penultimate tyrant. I am Ben Dignan and welcome once again to Religion in the Realms. Before getting into the episode proper, I'd just like to get one thing out of the way. Bane in the Forgotten Realms is in no way tied to the Bane of the Nether Vale, the default setting for 4th edition. This is called out specifically in Dragon Magazine issue 372. And now with the critical role world of Alexandria becoming an official setting in D&D canon, I suspect The Forgotten Realms Bane is not tied to the Bane of Exandria either, given that Exandria and Nentir Vale both use the Dawn War Pantheon. Why two different banes exist and not a singular entity that has influence on multiple settings is beyond me. Several deities in the Forgotten Realms have positions in other pantheons entirely or have play in other worlds as members of a given racial pantheon. Regardless, this is a design choice from the team made for fourth edition, and I just wanted to make that known before getting into the other up, the other topics of the episode. Titles The titles that are attributed to Bane include Lord Bane, the Black Lord, the Black Hand, the Lord of Darkness, and the Dark One. Portfolio and Domains Bane's portfolio includes Strife, Hatred, tyranny, and fear. For 5th edition, Bane suggested Domain in the Sword Coast Adventures Guide as War. The description for the Order Domain found in Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica specifically calls out that the Order Domain is fitting for Bane as well. Appearance and Manifestations Bane in 1st edition was described as a mysterious, hardly ever seen entity who sat in the shadows. At most, one would only ever see his black gauntleted hands with talons and blazing red eyes. 2nd edition provided us a couple more descriptions. Bane was often depicted as a looming black hand, as an empty black throne, or a shadowy humanoid figure arrayed in black attire streaked with red that sat upon a throne of skulls. Eventually by a 3rd edition, We were given the following description of Bane. A humanoid figure, usually wreathed in shadow, either bare-chested or wearing black armor underneath a black cloak streaked with red. On his black hand was his jeweled black gauntlet, which was his sole weapon in dispatching foes. Given that he once was killed as an avatar during the Time of Troubles, Bane rarely sent down an avatar to Toril to carry out his bidding. However, if the need arose, Bane's avatar took on the appearance of a handsome young human male with dark hair, stylishly dressed, with a condescending air about him. Before the Time of Troubles, Bane would possess a given human, so often someone young of noble birth, and use them as a sort of proxy avatar. The possessed individual would soon take on the appearance described of Bane's avatar that I mentioned earlier. The possessed individual would remain conscious of Bane's actions as he controlled their body, often, often suffering mentally as they witnessed the terrible things Bane carried out. Bane's avatars post-Time of Troubles were only ever used for keeping discipline in the ranks of his clergy, rather than dealing with his enemies and their worshippers. Now that Bane is a demigod on the Prime Material Plane, which we will get to, He retains the same well-dressed appearance, looking like a noble or successful general. The largest giveaway of Bane's true identity is that Bane's right hand is entirely jet black in color. He will hide this immediate identifier with gloves or gauntlets. Here are some of Bane's manifestations described across the editions. Red blazing eyes surrounded by a cloud of darkness, the darkness being present regardless of time of day a towned hand reaching out from a cloud of darkness, a giant-sized footprint from a mailed boot, where the ground within the imprint is charred. Bane could show his favor with the discovery of a single black sapphire, while showing disapproval with the discovery of red powder, often carnelian. Bane also could show his favor, disfavor, or relay messages through a bevy of evil aligned creatures or objects. These would include Lesser Devils, Beholder Kin, Black Dragons, Green Dragons, Fang Dragons, Death Tyrants, Malefants, Banilar, Sympathetics, Vultures, Black Cats with Green Eyes, Bats, Black Dogs, Hematite, Emeralds. And Bloodstones. Abilities. Talking about the abilities Bane has available to him presently in the Forgotten Realms is not going to be exact. He is presently a demigod, though referring to 3rd Edition sources and back, we have available descriptions of his abilities as a greater deity. So an enterprising DM is going to have to drastically scale back the powers I describe if they were to attempt to stat out Bane themselves for 5th edition. The following are a description of the abilities and powers Bane had as a Greater Deity. Bane's favorite weapon is the Jeweled Black Gauntlet on his right hand. It has no special name, simply being referred to as the Black Hand of Bane. When he was a Greater Deity, this weapon had the highest bonus to attack and damage attributed to a magic weapon depending on the edition. In third edition terms, this gauntlet had the lawful, might, cleaving, and unholy properties. Bane was granted the best die result possible when it came to making a die roll of any sort. Bane had divine senses that extended out to a distance of 17 miles, which is approximately 27.4 kilometers. This sense could reach out from any of his worshippers, holy sites, objects, or any location where one of his titles or his name was spoken in the last hour. Bane had the ability to sense any event that involved strife, hatred, tyranny, or fear 1710 days or 170 days before it happens, as it happens, or retains the memory of such events 1710 day, 10 days afterwards. Bane was capable of creating any magical rod, weapon, or armor. 2nd edition sources describe how Bane's avatar could alter his appearance so as to transform his hands to give them talons, while his face would become a skull with tightly charred black skin tightly covering it. Magical runes would then reveal themselves on the bone where there were breaks in this charred skin. Flames also would be alight in the eye sockets of this skull. The Avatar could also stand on any surface and withstand any environment without harm, all while being immune to any psionic effects. If the body of his Avatar possessed seemed worn out, Bane could easily transfer his Avatar to a new body so long as the Avatar touched an individual of neutral or evil alignment. Now as a Demi Power in 5th edition, Bane is significantly reduced in power but it is said that he retains a charisma that he can use to easily intimidate or persuade people to join his cause. He can easily suss out the ambition for power that he believes resides in the hearts of everyone and do what is needed to awaken it. Personal History Bane once was a mortal warrior who sought nothing but to become the ruler over all of Faerun. What became apparent to Bane was that in order to achieve such a goal, he would have to attain a level of power so high as to rival the gods. In an alliance of mutual understanding and powerful ambition, Bane came to travel alongside two companions Mercule, a necromancer, and Baal, an assassin. For years on end, the three of them, who we now commonly call the Dead Three, though initially known as the Dark Three, Enacted violence and evil across Faerun. Not much of Bane's origins are known, but it is said that the Dead Three all came from lands north of the Moonsea region. There seems to have been an interest on the part of the Dead Three and deific powers in the fourth century preceding the Dale Reckoning. The first instance recorded involves the Dead Three reaching and slaying Borom of the Lake of Boil- Boiling Mud an elemental god, also a member of a host of seven deities now known as the Seven Lost Gods. In negative 359 Dale Reckoning, the dead three made their way to a local lord and swore to kill this deity and take its heart out of the lord's lands. It is noted that Bane wielded a dagger from the Netherese cult of Jathaman. Despite the trials Borm threw at the three of them, they emerged victorious with the Heart of Borom in their hands. The three of them then traveled on a ship crewed by undead who I speculate were Mirkul's servants. Out on an island known as Mezeketh Isle, two miles southwest from Serloon, to an unknown end that then the dead three then buried both the Heart of Borom and the Jathalmen Dagger that Bane wielded. Perhaps they did so so as to never allow the heart to be found by mortals ever again. There on the island is a standing stone inscribed with an ancient script describing in brief the dead three slaying of Borum. Scholars argue about where Borum came to terrorize, but a majority of them place Borum's arrival in the defunct kingdom of Jamdath, within the realms of present-day Sembia. Buried 35 feet downwards in front of the Standing Stone can be found the Jathaman Dagger Bane used to defeat Borom, still piercing Boram's slow beating heart. I will describe both the Jathaman Dagger and Borom's heart in the mag- Magic Items section of the podcast later. In negative 357 Dale Reckoning, the three came to do battle with another elemental deity on the Material Plane near Rystol Wood which is now known as the Border Forest. This elemental power was known as Marum of the Great Spear. It is said that the three led a coalition of many different peoples to confront the the forces of Marum at the Frozen Forest. Here at the Monument to the Ancients, the dead three defeated Marum and sealed this entity back in the Elemental Plains. Continuing on in their pursuit of slaying creatures of the Divine Power, the Dead Three sought out a Minotaur Priest King known as Hask in negative 350 Dale Reckoning. Here Hask ruled tyrannically for six centuries from Ironfang Keep at the mouth of the White River along the eastern Moon Sea. In defense of a force of a 100,000 Goblinoids, Hask summoned the otherworldly entity known as Hargut, the Great Pestilence, from the Far Realm. Hargut, This monstrous worm-like aberration easily cut down the the goblinoid force and Hask made his way back into the keep. There waiting for him were Mercule and Bane. Using Hask's surprise to his advantage, it is said that Baal snuck up and plunged a dagger into Hask's back. This simple blade matches much of the same description as Bane's Jothaman dagger used on Borum, But it is not overtly called by that name. It is said that the blade drew the divine energy forth from Hask's heart. Hask was revealed as he was dying to be an elder doppelganger rather than a powerful minotaur. Dying, the three then made a deal with Hask. Spare his life in exchange for his fealty to the three of them while also commanding Hargut in their name. Hask agreed to the terms, but the Dead Three had used his precarious situation against him. Murkul, utilizing a magical scepter said to be from ancient Amaskar, bound Hargut and Hask together to form a true abomination of a creature. Now known as Hask, the Voice of Hargut, lies imprisoned beneath Ironfang Keep, giving voice to the aberrant mind he now shares. The three left Ironfang Keep and made their way to the Glacier of the White Worm to some unknown end. It is alluded to in an older black tome that Bane defeated not just Marum, Borum, and Hask, but also two others of the seven lost gods. Tyrant Thraxus, the Flame One, and Camnod, the Unseen. We know that Mercule and Baal aided Bane, but there is some clear bias on the part of the author. I did not find any mention of the particular methods the Dead Three used in bringing to heal these other two powers. Having slayed and cowed divine powers, the three accessed the lower outer planes reaching Jurgle's realm in Hades and attained the godhood they desired. This story is told through the legend of Knucklebones, Skullbones, and the Empty Throne. I speculate that the Dead Three sought out Jurgle specifically because Jurgle had portfolios most desirable to them, as well as a massive amount of power that could then be split among the three of them, or so that they told each other that they would split it three ways between themselves. They cut their way through Jurgle's undead servants and came before Jurgle with the intent to slay him and ascend to godhood. Instead, if the legend is to believed, Jurgle indifferently offered to each of them a third of his portfolio, bored and indifferent to the role of being a greater deity after so long and being unchallenged for that time period, though they would have to choose amongst the three of them who would take Jurgle's place. The three began to argue and eventually fight one another, Jurgle eventually having to intervene before they killed each other. Jurgle instead proposed that the three of them should play a game of chance to determine who got to choose which portion of Jurgle's portfolio could be claimed first. Each of the three were given a skull of one of Jurgle's slain liches to toss across the wastes of Hades. The victor would be he who tossed the skull the furthest. At this time, Malar, a deity already in the Forgotten Realms, learned of Jurgle's intentions in stepping down from his role and wanted to have in on the pickings. Malar stymied the skull-tossing competition by chasing down and collecting all three skulls. Meanwhile, the dead three fell back to fighting one another, having the skull-tossing competition interfered with. Jurgle once more called for peace and made the group play a second game of chance, this time with the knuckle bones he detached from his skeletal form. Thus while Millar was off bringing the skulls back to Jurgle, the game of knuckle bones was resolved. Bane won and first picked the portfolio of strife from Jurgle, completing his apotheosis. While a deity, and at some unknown time, Bane's son, named Iactu Zim, came into being. Zim was a demi-power in his own regards. Zim's mother is said to be a greater or true demon- Though her identity is never given. Though one story counters this claim, stating that Zim was the result of a union between a corrupted paladin and Bane. Zim's first given appearance in the realms is stated as 710 Dale Reckoning. And Zim carried out much of his father's ambitions as he traveled across the realms. Though there was no love lost between Bane and Zim, as Zim only begrudgingly carried out his father's will. Bane's power would only come to grow after the centuries after obtaining apotheosis. But that was not enough for him. He reached out to his old ally Mercule, and together in 1358 Dale Reckoning, they stole the Tablets of Fate from the overgod Eo, hiding the two halves in their own respective places. Bane and Mercule believed the Tablets held the key to Eo's power and could obtain that power for themselves. Bane hid his half in the temple to Torm in Tantris, which he thought to be a good hiding spot at the time. Until it came to pass that Torm in Avatar form came to Tantris himself when the gods fell down from the Outer Plains. It is likely that Baal was not included in this plot given his weakened state preceding the Time of Troubles, but the particulars of Baal's condition will be discussed in his own respective episode. Eo confronted all the deities about this theft, and when none of them confessed to having stolen the tablets of fate, Eo banished all deities out of the Outer Plains to walk upon the world of Toril, save Helm. Eo felt it right to punish the deities as it seemed clear they were far more interested in their own internal affairs, rather concerning themselves with their worshippers. Bane fell down from the Outer Plains directly atop his chief place of worship at the time, the Black Altar in Zental Keep. The records of this event in his faith call this event the Arrival. In his Avatar form, Bane would go on to cause much grief, capturing Mistra at one time before she was freed by an enterprising adventuring company who featured three humans who would, who would then themselves come to be raised up as deities in their own rights. Midnight, who would eventually become Mistra, Cyric, and Kelmvor Lion's Bane. After Mistra perished at the hands of Helm, Elminster called back a sort of spirit of hers to help him slay the initial avatar of Bane, though Mercule collected the essence of his ally and transferred it over into a new avatar form. Knowing he had to challenge Torm to get back his half of the tablets of fate, Bane killed all the Ball worshipping assassins in the realms. Drawing power from his weakened ally Ball for himself. Though Bane did meet his downfall, and was killed when he fought with the Avatar of Torm out in the harbor of Tantris. It is speculated that Bane and Mercule may have also stolen the ta- tablets of fate in order to cause the time of troubles, rather than simply learn of Ao's power from the tablets. With their fellow deities far more vulnerable and available to them on the prime material, Bane could then kill Mistra and hopefully take on Mistra's portfolio over magic and move that much closer to ruling over the entire Faerunian pantheon. Following Bane's death during the Time of Troubles, Sirik absorbed Bane's former portfolio of strife. The years following, and up to Bane's subsequent rebirth in 1372 Dale Reckoning, Sirik and his clergy did much to convert, forcefully or otherwise, the Clergy of the Dead Three. Bain's clergy in particular put up a major amount of resistance in the Moonsea region. This resistance would eventually lead to two events known as the Bane Deaths carried out by the Church of Cyric in an attempt to punish the holdouts of the Church of Bane. The first Bane Death was in 1361 Dale Reckoning and the second in 1368 Dale Reckoning. Much of the Bainite holdouts would turn their worship to Bane's son Iaktu-Zim in the interim. Iaktu-Zim was imprisoned beneath the city of Xantal Keep during the Time of Troubles. When his father died, much of Bane's power went to Sirik, though some found its way to Zim as well as into Bane's Bane Liches. Touching briefly on Bane Liches here, they are high-level clerics of Bane granted Lichdom by Bane himself. For a time, it is said that each Lich thought themselves to be Bane reincarnate after Bane had perished. With his father out of the picture, and Zentil keep lying in ruins after the first Bane death, Zim reemerged in 1369 Dale Reckoning and distanced himself from any ties to his father. At this time, Zim was now a lesser god compared to his former status as a demigod. He established his faith strongly in Thay, with small pockets of worship throughout the rest of Fir'un. Come 1372 Dale Reckoning, however, Bane would be rebirthed, bursting forth from his son Zim in green flames. It was determined that implanted in Zim was an essence of Bane that would slowly build up in time. Thus Bane used his son as little more than a cocoon to protect him as he regrew in strength after what was thought to be his death. During Zim's imprisonment beneath Zental Keep, it is alluded to that Manchun was the one to plant Bane's essence within his son Zim. One source describes it as a larva that grew and burgeoned forth, though I do not know if this was meant to be a figurative description of Bane's rebirth. Either way, I'm unclear as to how exactly this all transpired, so please if anyone knows for sure, reach out and let me know. Those who had once worshipped Vim easily and quickly converted their worship once more back to Bane, while a handful of Cyrix's church reconverted back over to the Baneite Faith. Presently, in the Forgotten Realms, Bane and his renewed primary allies, Baal and Mercule, made the decision not to go along with the divine mandate agreed to by the deities to remove much of their personal involvement from the Prime Material post Second Sundering. Instead they went against this mandate abandoning much of their power as full deities and are presently walking the Prime Material as demigods. In discussion with some Forgotten Realms fans This seems like an odd narrative decision to go with, especially considering Bane's previous standing as a greater deity. But with the Dead 3, it is hard to know what exactly their true end goals are. And perhaps in a future module or video game, their true plans will be revealed. Either way, Bane is now a demigod living on the Prime Material in 1492 Dale Reckoning. It is rumored that the Dead Three in particular have been seen in Baller's Gate. Now, confusingly, this is only called in the Baller's Gate Descent into Inverness module, and in one video where Chris Perkins discusses the Dead Three, which I will include a link to in the episode description. This is not mentioned in Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide, so I would not be surprised if this is catching some of you by surprise hearing this for the first time. Personality. Bane is a lawful evil demi-power who was a former greater power. He is merciless, tyrannical, and a ruthless planner and tactician who seeks for nothing else but to inevitably conquest Faerun entirely. Bane rarely involves himself directly in events, instead using his worshippers and other creatures allied with him to carry out his bidding. He expects nothing but success and failure is met with torture and punishment. Bane is not quick to anger, however, and controls his emotions up until a point that he deems it necessary to unleash his wrath. Personal Realms Presently, Bane resides on the prime material moving about on Toral. Though before Bane's personal realm, a black bastion existed on the layer of Avalis, the first layer on the outer plane of Acheron, this being in the Great Wheel cosmological model used in the first edition, second edition, and now as the default assumed cosmological model for 5th edition. Acheron is the shared lawful evil and lawful neutral plane in the Great Wheel existing between Mechanus and the Nine Hells, also known as Beator. Acheron is a plane of constant battle, where the floating massive metal detritus that makes up its four layers and the multitude of armed forces clash together in battle eternal. It is said that there can only be so many souls present on Acheron at one time, neither either increasing or decreasing in number. For that reason, no fighting force on Acheron takes any prisoners, instead slaying their enemies with hopes that an allied soul will come in to replace those they have just killed. The uppermost layer of Avalis, also known as the Battle Plains, is the most well-known layer of Acheron made up entirely of massive metal cubes where battles are fought on these cube surfaces. Cubes vary in size from being a few hundred feet on a side to the largest capable of holding entire kingdoms or continents. Some of the better-known powers on Avalas are Meglubliyet, the chief deity of the Goblinoids, and Grumsh, the chief deity of the Orcs. The Goblinoids and Orcish petitioners are locked together in internal struggle between both groups. There are several more armies fighting in Avalas other than just the orcs and the goblinoids. Some are led by enterprising warlords, others are leaderless hordes that are always itching for conquest and battle. While the surface of the cubes serve as the battlegrounds, the petitioners on Akron have learned to tunnel their ways into the cubes to set up marshalling grounds, and the largest dugout caverns hold the fortresses of the Great Powers. In one such cavern, I speculate that Bane's realm, the Black Bastion resides. Or perhaps, again speculating here, the Black Bastion is one of the eight reported mobile forts known as Hassatoriums. These hassatoriums are moved by slaves pushing these fortresses across the surface of the cubes. The river sticks that flows amongst all the lower outer planes can be found on the face of one cube before it runs down a crater or tunnel only to suddenly spring forth on the face of another cube some distance away. The status of the Black Bastion is unknown given Bane's abandonment of his position and power in the Outer Plains in favor of existing down on the Prime Material. It is likely that Bane's loyal petitioners and servants, such as Fazul's chamberl, still hold guard in the interim should Bane ever decide to return. In the World Tree cosmological model used in 3rd edition, Bane resided on the plain of the Barrens of Doom and Despair. The Barrens are inhospitable, bleak, and vastly empty, all devoid of life and joy. Here the plain's landscape consists only of black sand, plains of granite, and the occasional canyon ringed with cliffs made of obsidian. No sun shines here, as permanent black clouds hang above, while red sky glows in behind them. Here in the Barrens is Bane's realm, the Black Bastion Fortress. The Bastion is looming is a looming edifice made of adamantine, obsidian, ebony, and jet. Seemingly absorbing what little light there was all around it. Bane sits upon his throne of skulls inside. Evil soldiers of all species and creatures made their way to the Bastion looking to serve in Bane's planar armies. In the World Axis Cosmological model used for 4th edition, Bane's personal realm out in the Astral Sea was known as Banehold. Bane's realm was divided up into fiefs to which he then gave to his divine vassals to lord over with. It is a desolate realm littered with ruined keeps and barren landscapes with only rock, sand, and stone. A dull red light is just perceptible through the black clouds that seem to obscure the entire sky. Allies and Allegiances Bane has had passing alliances. Andor has been served by a handful of other evil deities over the years, including Loviatar, Telona, Malar, and Mask. It is worth mentioning that in 4th edition, Bane held several evil deities under his sway including Loviatar, who was, or maybe still is, Bane's consort. Though I speculate, given the retconning that went along with the Second Sundering, that probably isn't the case. Also, the Dwarven deity Abathor, the Doombringer, the Goblinoid deities Hurugik and Mugulbulyet, and Tiamat. Again, given how much change occurred with the Second Sundering, in essence, counteracting the effects and changes made through the Spell Plague in 4th edition, these deities may still share some sort of alliance with Bane. But I feel very confident in speculating that none of, the, none of them reside in Bane's realm on the Outer Planes and have gone off to their own respective realms elsewhere. We do know that is the case with Tiamat, for example. This is especially the case considering how Bane has rid himself almost entirely of his divinity so as to stir up trouble on the Material Plane. Though at the end of the day, the most important alliance Bane shares is that between Mercule and Ball, and this trio, formerly known as the Dark Three, now commonly known as the Dead Three, Bane is regarded as the leader who directs the group in their schemes. Enemies Bane holds an animosity for the entirety of the Faerunian pantheon, given that they stand in direct opposition to his desired goal of complete domination. Though he holds a special level of hatred towards Torm, who once killed him, Cyric who stole much of his power for a time, Mistra, whose portfolio he may and very likely still desires, Tempest, Helm, Lathander, Ogma, and Ilmater. Deity and Avatar Stat Blocks You can find the second edition stat block for Bane's avatar in the face and avatar supplement. You can find the 3rd edition stat block for Bane as a greater deity and his avatar in the 3rd edition supplement Faiths and Pantheons. Symbols Across the editions, Bane's symbol has gone through a series of changes only to arrive at a familiar design to that first introduced in 1st edition. 1st edition and 2nd edition, Bane's symbol is described as a black open hand, palm facing the observer, with all fingers together. Sometimes the hand was placed in front of a red shape. For 3rd edition, his symbol used a similar black hand motif, though this symbol shows a black hand with his fingers clamping down in a fist as green rays of light shoot out from between the spaces between the fingers. This symbol was used to represent Bane's rebirth as he burst forth from his son, Zim. For 4th edition, Bane's symbol was a dragon's claw. This is the same symbol the other Bane in the Dawn War Pantheon had for 4th edition. But again, they aren't the same deity, just someone decided, just decided to confusing, confusingly make that choice. For 5th edition, we see it return to form as Bane's symbol is simply described as an upright black hand with the thumb and fingers touching one another. When it comes to the talk of symbols, however, there is one conflicting sourcebook. 4th edition's Ed Greenwood Presents, Elmister's Forgotten Realms. It throws us a bit of a curveball. The sourcebook, immediately written by Ed Greenwood himself, describes Bane's symbol as a red fist. Specifically, Bane's symbol before the time of troubles is described as a spiked and gauntleted red fist with three drops of blood spilling out from the wrist only for the symbol to change when Bane was reborn to that of a bare red fist with either lightning or fire coming out from between the spaces in the fingers. Why this discrepancy exists, I don't know. That's a question for Ed Greenwood himself. And given what I've discovered so far about the changes and differences of deity symbols across the editions, it doesn't seem all that odd for me to consider that more than one symbol for any given deity is used in the realm's ...at any one time. Which ones you go with in your campaign... ...in the end is completely up to you. Central Dogma... ...from Faiths and Pantheon's... ...3rd edition supplement. Quote... ...Serve no one but Bane. Fear him always... ...and make others fear him... ...even more than you do. The Black Hand always strikes down... ...those that stand against it in the end. Defy Bane and die. Or in death, find loyalty to him... For he shall compel it. Submit to the word of Bane, as uttered by his ranking clergy, since true power can only be gained through service to him. Spread the dark fear of Bane. It is the doom of those who do not follow him to let power slip through their hands. Those who cross the Black Hand meet their dooms earlier and more harshly than those who worship other deities. End quote. It is not unheard of, and especially I speculate for those who are lawful neutral worshippers of Bane to view and teach Bane's tenets about ambition and control without making mention of the mouse and tyranny others of the faith attached to Bane. Presence of the Faith Many warlords, evil monks, and fighters, tyrants, mercenaries, gang leaders, and wizards worship Bane. Clerics and other religious practitioners who are in his service are often lawful neutral, lawful evil, or neutral evil in alignment. The Bainite faith and its church is regarded for its tyrannical nature throughout Faerun. So happy was the day across all Faerun when Bain's death was reported during the Time of Troubles that 27 nations declared festivals in celebration of the event. Bainite clergy, paladins, and clerics are viewed to be nothing short of wannabe dictators looking to spread their influence and rule across the continent. What's worse is often those rulers and nobility they come to be allied with then go on to use evil tactics necessary to seize control. To the point I made earlier about the lawful, neutral practitioners and worshippers of Bane, Bane's faith and worshippers can look to be doing good as they remove evil factions and throw out despotic rulers. But their end goals always seem to almost include wanting to conquer and control tyrannically. The faith may also begin or already be supporting existing existing factions involved in tyrannical mercantile practices, the slave trade, and or supporting a given dictatorship. The Bainite faith and the history of the Zhentarim are intertwined. It's hard to talk about one without the other not being involved or mentioned in some capacity. As it is, the Zhentarim deserve their own episode or series of episodes but they also fall outside the scope of this podcast. Some may not like how quickly a touch on them here. The Zhentarim is a criminal organization in which several of the clergy and faith of Bane make up their numbers and leadership. They are heavily involved in trade and smuggling across Faerun. Two of its key members over its history, Banshun and Fazul Shembril, are key to Bane's story in the realms as well. Fazul's loyalties were in flux for some time following the death of Bane during the Time of Troubles. Eventually, however, Fazul was handpicked by Bane to be- become his chosen. Following Bane's reemergence, at that time Fazul was High Lord of the Zentarum. Fazul would then go on to attain a fixed status. Upon his death, fighting Manchun in the Shadowvar, defending the Keep. In Fourth Edition terms, Fazul is regarded as an exarch of Bane. Though now in 5th edition is up in the air as to what divine status F'zul presently holds. I'm putting it out there that F'zul may be leading in Bane's absence out in the Black Bastion, while Bane fulfills his goals down on the Prime Material. Manchun is a powerful wizard and is the creator of the Zentarum. For some time, F'zul and Manchun had an understanding of the growth of the Zentarum together, but eventually began to run afoul of one another. One of Manshun's greatest services was carrying out the necessary magical procedures to ensure Bane could be reborn once more following the time of troubles. Manchun and Fazul aside, the Church of Bane willingly and often aids the Zentarum and vice versa. Clerics and paladins devoted to Bane accompany Zentarum missions and may be potentially members of the Zentarum themselves. The strength of the ties between the Bainite faith and the Zentarum were strained when the Shadowvar laid waste to two key Zentarum places of worship in Zental Keep and the Citadel of the Raven. This was as a direct result of the actions from Frazul. Several Bainites left the Zhentarim and hard feelings developed towards the Church of Bain allowing the faith of Sirach to step in as a viable alternative. To suggest that Zentarum does not still retain strong ties with the Bainite faith would be false, but they are in definite need of repair. Another nefarious group Bane worshippers and clergy involve themselves with is the Cult of the Dragon. Several Bain's places of worship serve as cells for the Cult of the Dragon members and activities. Hierarchy and structure of the clergy I would like to first call out one thing about the Bainite faith for present day Faerun. In the Baldur's Gate Descent into Avernus module for 5th edition, the writers make use of the word cult to describe the organization of Bane's faith. Now, I don't know if they are just calling it out that in the city of Baldur's Gate, there isn't enough here to say, quote unquote, the chur- Church of Bane, or if they're insinuating that now that since Bane is a demi power, it's not appropriate to call his organization a church. Personally, given how widespread Bane's faith is in Faerun and how other demi powers have existed on the Prime Material and their faiths were still called churches of ex-deity in past editions, I'm going to assume the writers are referring to the cult of Bane strictly within the confines of Baldur's Gate and not wholly over the entire continent of Faerun. Now, going off my assumption... Bane's cult in Baldur's Gate is broken down into only three ranks in the following ascending order. The Fist of Bane, Iron Consul, and Black Gauntlet. Collectively, the clergy of Bane have been known to be called Dreadmasters or Dark Hands, depending on what source book from any edition you go by. Before the Time of Troubles, the Baneite Faith was divided into two competing antagonistic sects. The Orthodox sect was largely made up of Bainite clerics, and the transformed sect made up largely of wizards. Bain approved of this sort of dissension as it allowed for competition and growth within his faith. Following the Time of Troubles, the dissension between the two sects worsened, and loyalties to Bain transferred from Bain to Cyric, who some in the clergy thought Sirik to be Bane reborn, or a stronger entity who went on to embody the entire dead three, or Eak to Zim. Still, there were pockets of ultra-orthodox Baneites who did not take to worshipping any other faith save Bane. Though their clerical powers still came from Sirik or Zim unknowingly, following Bane's reemergence, however. He called for an end and named Fazul Shembril has chosen to bring the two sects together under a single banner. The head of the Bainite faith is known as the High Imperceptor, and several of Bain's Bane liches occupy this role during their mortal lives. The individual in this position is regarded to be Bain's supreme living servant, or chosen. This title currently lies vacant, though it is entirely possible that high-ranking clergy members have made claim for the title. Fazul Shembril last held this title in the faith. With Dota's central authority, the Benite faith suffers from a large amount of squabbles and infighting as dominance is sought among the various clergy in places of worship. The calmer and patient, though still evil, demeanor the faith is known for has taken a hit as a result. Novices and the clergy are called slaves, and until they are called out to by bane from a quote-unquote speaking altar or in a vision, a novice they remain. From there, the ranks of the clergy for all the bainite faith across Faerun is said to follow this ascending order. Watchful brother or sister, deadly adept, trusted servant, willing whip, hooded menace, Black Fang, Striking Hand, Vigilant Talon, Masked Death, Dark Doom, Higher Doom, and Deep Mystery. Those who bear the Deep Mystery rank are allowed to adopt individual titles, but such titles have to be granted by an even higher ranking clergy member. Some of these self-given titles are Vigilator, Lord or Lady of Mysteries, Lord or Lady of the Hand, Imperceptor, Dark Imperceptor, Grand Blood Letter and High Inquisitor. Much like a rigid military, banite clergy were to be called by their rank by fellow members. Depending on the difference in rank between lower and higher clergy, lower clergy were expected to bow, kneel to, or kiss the boots of their superiors. A member of the clergy is not to question the hierarchy and their superiors. Doing so only leads to severe punishment that may involve disfigurement, torture, and or death. While among laypeople, clergy instead address one another by brother-sister faithful or dread brother-sister if they are of a higher standing in the faith. Temple heads are known as imperceptors or preceptors, depending on what edition source book you are referring to, who then report to a senior clergy member who presides over the given region who then, in turn, would report back to the high imperceptor if such a role was still filled. Responsibilities and Duties of Clergy and Worshippers Life as a lower-ranking member of the Bainite Faith is one almost akin to slavery, and as such, an individual is at the whims of their superiors. Those of middling rank in the faith usually make use of lower ranks to do their bidding to serve their own personal ends. The faith attempts to involve itself directly as possible, or rule over the trade in any one region. Specifically, the Bainite faith is big on the slave, weapons, and armor trade. Preferably, this is done legally, but both the faith and Bain know that sometimes the law needs to be ignored from time to time in order to meet their goals. They then use the proceeds to help grow the organizational structure of the faith. Several clergy members serve as direct advisors to like-minded nobles or leaders. Clergy are practitioners of torture, beatings, and cold and calculated assassination. Every initiate into the faith is to have some understanding of all three of these three practices. Orders and Priestly Bodies Dreadmasters are a branch of specialty clergy whose description varies by addition. In second edition, dreadmasters occupied a low rank within the clergy, though they were freed from the rigid structures and policies that govern the majority of other clergy. Instead, they are free to do as they wish, most taking to the adventuring life or becoming hermits. In 3rd edition, they are far more ambitious and enterprising individuals who build up organizations, either political, religious, or both, within society. From there, they rule like tyrants, keeping exacting detail of everything that goes on around themselves. The brothers of the Black Fist, much like the Bainite Faithful and Flan, are far more moderate and neutral in their leanings. They act as the city guard for the city of Fland and pay an annual tribute to the Bainite authority in Mulmaster. The Knights of the Black Gauntlet are a military order based out of Mintar. They were formed after a leader, a devoted worshipper of Bane himself, emerged forth from a large conjured up Hand of Bane in the throne room of the former ruler of Mintar. There, with a handful of knights, their leader slew and claimed the rulership of Mintar. At the time of the greatest strength in 1369 Dale Reckoning, they were aiming to conquer the surrounding regions outside of Mintar. Their current status is unknown. Because of their establishment, Mintar is a place of religious significance for the Bainite faith. The Order of the Iron Gauntlet are a small group of organized monks that operate within the Zentarum and hold Bain as their patron deity. They specialize in stealth and assassination. Appearance and Dress. Bane's clergy are trained warriors and favor all sorts of armor and weapons. Usually they wear black heavy armor or armor with the black hand of Bane upon it. Clerics in particular wield maces whose heads are in the shape of a closed fist. Their ceremonial dress is black armor with blood red capes. Usually well-off clergy members wear far better armor than their peers. This black armor often features spurs, horns, or hooks in their design. High-ranking clergy members wear gems upon their foreheads. Those who are wizards and clergy members commonly wear black robes that they have enchanted to show glittering black stars or splashes of spilt blood. For a time, facial tattoos were common among the Bainite faith, though this fell out of favor when Ciracis could easily pick them out as members of Bain's clergy, especially during the persecution and violence during both Bain deaths. Adventuring clergy stick to their ceremonial black armor and weapons, or other sets they have set aside for such endeavors. Whether in daily life, adventuring, or in ceremonial dress, clergy were to always wear something black in color and wield some sort of weapon. Rituals The clerics of Bane pray for their spells at midnight. The faith does not have any set holy days on the calendar of Harptos. Rather, rituals are called whenever a senior clergy member decrees decrees it is time. Those who practice Bane's faith are instructed to make prayers before and after battle, before conducting some form of subterfuge, or before a meal. Rites within the faith involve drumming, chanting, ominous singing, and the sacrifice of intelligent humanoids. These humanoids are often humiliated and tortured in order to make them show fear before death meets them. Rituals are to be conducted in dark spaces, sometimes taking outside at night. The only light allowed is to be from dim magical effects, the moon and starlight, and or torches and braziers. Upon Bane's re-emergence in the Pantheon, offering up the clergy of Cyric as a sacrifice was rather popular. Though likely still practiced presently, the Cirrus' clergy probably isn't as targeted anymore. Traditionally, the Bainite clergy go after enemy paladins, unicorns, children, and celestials. General Locations of Temples and Shrines Places of worship to Bain are modeled after keeps and forts. They are foreboding in appearance with little color, sharp corners, thin windows to serve as nothing more than arrow slits, and spikes often ring the outside edges of these buildings. Altars at places of worship tend to be made out of black basalt or obsidian. Such altars are known simply as black altars. Placed above the altar is to be either a magical floating hand made of stone, or an empty black throne is to be placed facing the altar in the stead of a missing hand. If you look up the cover of the novel Finder's Bane, you can see an artistic representation of this floating stone hand. The foyer is usually resplendent in presentation, while the hallways that lead off to other rooms are narrow. The clergy live in rooms much like military barracks. Simple, spartan, and with little in the way of color and decoration. Perhaps save tapestries embroidered with the symbol of Bane, and or passages important in the faith. Most include a courtyard where military drills and parades can be carried out by the faith. Of course, each temple includes a hall where religious rites can be carried out when the clergy call for it. Typically, beneath Bainite temples can be found one or more of the following. Dungeons, prisons, torture chambers, hoboulettes, and or pens for monsters. Specific Locations of Temples and Shrines Bain's faith is relatively small in Baldur's Gate alongside that of his other Dead Three Companions. For now, though, the clergy of the Dead Three are a threat in Baldur's Gate, but not enough to significantly disrupt the city. The Lyceum of the Black Lord is the largest temple in Flan. Here, the faithful to Bane are far less evil and moderate in their actions, being completely obedient to the lords and ladies of the city. The ruins of Zentil Keep hold three former temples associated with Bane. The first was the Black Lord's altar. It was formerly the center of Bainite authority in Faerun. This temple complex was five stories high with its own basement. This temple was destroyed when Bane fell down to the Outer Plains on top of it during the Time of Troubles. Then rebuilt only to then be destroyed during the first Bane death. Rebuilt as a temple to Cyric. Then destroyed in 1368 Dale Reckoning brought low by a divine strike from Mask himself. Its ruins then went on to be consecrated to Yak to Zim in 1370 but now still sits in ruin. Second temple was the Dark Shrine, which was the seat of the Orthodox sect of Bainite faith until Fazul Shembril brought both sects together. It was destroyed by Cyrix worshippers in 1367 Dale Reckoning. The final temple was simply known as the Temple of Bain. It was formerly a grand palace of the former leader of Zental Keep and served as a home for some of the highest ranking members of the Zentarum. Its status is unknown, though very likely destroyed, when the shadow Bar attacked Zental Keep in 1383 Dale Reckoning. The center of Bane's worship is now found in Molmaster. Master. Here, the upper leadership of the Baneite Faith can be found in the House of the Black Lord, though it was formerly known as the Black Lord's Altar. That was until Fazul Shembrul stole the name of the temple for a seat at the head of the faith in Zental Keep in 1263 Dale Reckoning for a time, until the authority of the Bainite faith came back to Mulmaster. Several of the Bainite clergy are found on the ruling council of Mulmaster, known as the Council of the Blades. A temple of the sky was a floating rock tethered to the flaming tower north of Dagger Falls. Here Shulla, the voice of Bain, a beholder in service to Bain, led a loose alliance between the Iron tyrants who are loyal to Bain. Now the two structures lie in ruin. The largest temple to Bane is a Black Lord's cloak in the city of Murtar. This temple holds an amassed force of Baneite clergy and soldiers who both protect against the ambitions of Thay and harry the settlements of Chacinta. The temple houses a holy relic, an animated black cloak once worn by Bane himself. This cloak reportedly can envelop a creature and suck all the blood out of its prey. This temple houses a large cell of Baneite clergy who are also members of the Cult of the Dragon. The Thunder Room is a shrine to Bane and Mintar. It was built to resemble a gladiatorial arena inside. Here, slaves, captured monsters, and volunteer fighters engage in combat. Each gladiatorial event is opened with a musical performance and praise to Bane, with heavy beating of drums and other percussive instruments. The shrine proper can be found beneath the arena. The Black Abbey is a ruined monastery to Bane being built up and Subar by Baneites. Those of the faith have claimed that they will help the locals defend against incoming Goblinoid raids, but understandably the locals are suspicious of their true intentions. The House of Tyranny in Waterdeep is the converted place of worship inside a tower. Unnamed temples to Bane can be found in Altabar, Byzanter, Tyraturos, Pyra Arados, Surfei, Delost, potentially there might be a rebuilt temple to Bane in the Flooded Forest, Ermlasper, a hidden temple in Sundabar, and an abandoned temple in Flan. Shrines to Bane can be found in Ilenver, and potentially in the ruins of Delhumide. Finally, this is a bit of the Dungeon Master section of the podcast leaking over into the location section. But the Lords of Darkness sourcebook for 3rd edition has the generic description of a Temple of Bane known as the Temple of the Black Gauntlet. The book has a map to accompany this Temple's description and it is designed for the enterprising DM to place a generic Temple of Bane wherever they might deem it necessary. Character Options For 2nd edition... In the Faiths and the Avatars supplement, you can find the breakdown for the Dreadmaster, the, the specialty priest option for Bane worshippers. For 3rd edition, in the Lords of Darkness supplement, you can find the specifics for two religious rites for the Church of Bane. In Faiths and Pantheons, you can find the breakdown for the Dreadmaster Prestige class and the Chosen of Bane template. In the Player's Guide to Faerun, you can find the Initiate of Bane feat. Just as I do in every podcast, uh, the following is just a breakdown of the features that I think someone deeply involved in the Bay Night faith, as an acolyte or otherwise, could use as a background for 5th edition. For two skill proficiencies, I would take athletics and intimidation. For your language or tool proficiencies, I would take uh, proficiency with the gaming set, specifically the dragon chess set, and the musical instrument. Um, specifically the drum musical instrument. For the equipment granted to the background, I would take either the Soldier's equipment from the Player's Handbook, the Knight of the Orders equipment from Sword Coast Adventure Guide, substituting the gold given for both for a holy symbol to Bane. For the ribbon feature to accompany the background, I would take the Acolyte's Shelter of the Faithful from the Player's Handbook, the Soldier's Military Rank from the Player's Handbook, Or the Knight of the Order's Knightly Regard from Sorkos Adventurer's Guide. Next is just a list of subclasses that I think would be thematically appropriate for a NPC or PC to take if they were a worshipper of Bane. For the Barbarian, now I know Bane worshippers are taught to be collected and cool. So to suggest a Barbarian who uses rage in combat seems counterintuitive. But instead I'd flavor the rage to be a battle focus. With that premise, I would suggest the Berserker from the Player's Handbook or the Ancestral Guardian and Zealot from Xanathar's Guide to Everything. For the Bard, I would look at the College of Valor Bard from the Player's Handbook. For the Cleric, the War Domain Cleric from the Player's Handbook and the Order Domain Cleric from Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica. For the Fighter, I'm not going to say you can use every Fighter subclass because uh, I don't think all of them would be appropriate. But there's the Battlemaster, the Champion, both from the Player's Handbook, the Purple Dragon Knight, also known as the Banneret from Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide, and Samurai from Xanathar's Guide to Everything. For uh, for the Monk, there's the Way of Shadow Monk from the Player's Handbook, who may be potentially members of the Order of the Iron Gauntlet. For the Paladin, there's the Oath of Vengeance Paladin from the Player's Handbook, the Oath of Conquest Paladin from Xanathar's Guide to Everything, and the Oathbreaker Paladin from the Dungeon Master's Guide. For the Rogue, the Bane's Faith doesn't strike me as one who has very many rogues amongst its members, though if there were to be any, I would say maybe the Assassin from the Player's Handbook. Finally, for Wizards, I would look at the School of Necromancy and Evocation Wizards from the Player's Handbook, as well as the War Magic Wizard from Xanathar's Guide to Everything. Dungeon Master Options Starting with monsters, here's a list of monsters from official 5th edition sources that would, or I think would, worship and or serve Bane. So, in the Monster Manual, there's quite a few you can make use of. Examples would include the Animated Armor, the Beholder, the Death Tyrant, Lesser Devils from Imp up to Bone Devil, Black and Green Dragons, Vultures and Giant Vultures, Cats, Bats and Giant Bats, and Mastiffs. Finally, from the Curse of Strahd module, there's Strahd's animated armor. Though none of them have been covered in any 5th edition sources, I'd be remiss if I did not talk about some of the key monsters that share Bane's namesake and are important to his faith. Long ago, the followers of Bane are said to have been taught by Bane himself the ritual that would allow them to transform a Water Naga into a Banalar. The overwhelming majority of Banalars are loyal to Bane, though a few did stray to to the worship of Sirach. Within the Bainite faith, Banalar are granted a mid-level rank among the clergy. They have dark purple-green scales and an oversized human head. They have pale green eyes and tiny tentacles that grow around their mouths. Their tails end in a deadly stinger. You can find stat blocks for Banalars in the the Serpent Kingdom's 3rd edition supplement, Monsters of Rune Supplement for 3rd edition, and the Forgotten Realms Campaign Guide for 4th edition. Bane Guards are a lowly, skeletal undead brought about by necromantic cler- cleric spells first developed by the Baneite Faith, though this once guarded secret has leaked out into other evil faiths. They are reminiscent of your typical anime- animated skeleton, but have some spellcasting abilities alongside an intelligent will. They are still ordered about by those who create them, or who they are assigned to. You can find stat blocks for Bane Guard in the Forgotten Realms campaign setting supplement for the 2nd edition and the Lost Empires of Faerun and Monsters of Faerun supplements both for 3rd edition. Bane Dead are another form of a dead created first by the Baneite Faith. They look like withered humanoids with all vitality drained out of them. They have red glowing eyes and one of their hands has been twisted into a vicious claw. You can find the Bane Dead stat block in the Monsters of Faerun supplement for 3rd edition, and the Ruins of Zentil keep box set for 2nd edition. Last, but certainly not least, are the Bane Liches. The Bane Liches are powerful clerics of Bane who are rewarded Lichdom by Bane himself in honor of their life of service. All of them were chosen of Bane at one time or another. There were reportedly 35 such Bane Liches, but past the Time of Troubles and later actions of Yaktu Zim are believed to have killed off the vast majority of them. The remaining Bane Liches are said to remain in hiding. The Bane Lich stat block can be found in the Monsters of faerûn Supplement for 3rd edition, and the Ruins of Zental Keep box set for 2nd edition. Some of the other monsters sometimes tied in with the Bane Knight Faith, but currently do not have any official stat blocks for 5th edition, are the Fang, the Fang Dragon, also known as a Grey Dragon, which can be found in the 3rd edition Draconomicon, which I heavily recommend if you're a big fan of dragons, and the 4th edition Draconomicon 1 Chromatic Dragons. Malafonts, or Malafonts, not entirely sure on the pronunciation, are fiends created by the devils to guard their prized treasures and locations. These bulky elephantine guards can be found in the Monstrous Compendium Planescape for 2nd edition. The Mantras Compendium Outer Planes Appendix for 2nd Edition and Fiend Folio for 3rd Edition. Sympathetics are birds with fiendish origins who are capable of affecting a creature's alignment and whose eggs can be used by evil creatures to teleport them to the lower outer planes. You can find this creature in the Mantras Compendium Forgotten Realms Appendix for 2nd Edition. To round out this action on monsters, the following are just a list of humanoid NPC stat blocks to represent various Bainite worshippers and clergy members. From the Monster Manual for 5th edition, there's the Acolyte, Archmage, Gladiator, Knight, Mage, Noble, Priest, Thug, and Veteran. From Volo's Guide to Monsters, there's the Blackguard, the Champion, the Evoker, the Martial Arts Adept, the war priest, and the Warlord. From the Curse of Strahd module, there's the Knight of the Order. From the Waterdeep Dragon Heist module, there's the Zent Martial Arts Adept. And finally, from the Baller's Gate Descent Into Avernus module, there's specifically three stat blocks who are members devoted to Bane. Those being the Black Goblin of Bane, the Fist of Bane, and the Iron Console. Next, let's talk about magic items. The Jathamend Dagger is the blade Bane used to slay Borum long ago when he was still immortal. The blade is described to be rather simple in appearance, however this blade has the highest bonus to hit and damage attributed to any magic weapon depending on the addition. It was created by a Netherese cult of Jathamin. The cult hated all things divine and 39 members of the cult are said to have sacrificed themselves in order to create this blade. Jurgle took issue with this cult and killed off all of its remaining members and took the dagger himself. I will allow you to interpret the following line how you will, but it certainly sounds like Driggle wanted Bane to find the Jathamin Dagger. Quote, Driggle seized the weapon, eventually allowing it to fall into the hands of Bane long before he became a deity. In 3rd edition terms, the dagger is unholy it ignores any divine bones to AC. The description and features of the Jathamin Dagger can be found in the 3rd edition supplement Faiths and Pantheons. Borum's quagheart is a wet, fleshy organ that leaks out mud and slime when touched. It beats very slowly once every 30 seconds. It has its own share of powers that it grants to the one who possesses it. But our focus here is that if one was to remove the and dagger still stuck in it, mud spews forth from the hole in the heart. If left open, it will reform the lake of boiling mud. Some legends speculate that if this should be allowed to happen, Borm will be reborn once more. It takes an immense amount of strength to stab the Jathaman dagger back into the heart. The description and the features of this item can be found in the 3rd edition supplement, Faiths and Pantheons. Bane swords are often not just found in the hands of the Faith of Bane, but also in the hands of higher ranking members of Xantarum. They are long swords adorned with the symbols of Bane. They are described and their features are given in the Lords of Darkness supplement for 3rd edition. The Rod of Clenched Fists is a relic of the Bainite Faith. Making up the upper portion of the rod is four black fists stacked one on top of the other. It feels like metal when being held, but can easily be mistaken for being made from coal when viewed at a distance. It is said that Fazul Shembril gave these relics out in secret to keep the Faith while Bain was gone. In order to create these rods, four sacrifices must be made. Three hands had to be cut from good aligned humans, and finally a hand from the creator themselves. The mechanical and magical properties of this item can be found in Dragon Magazine issue 333. Another important magical rod to the Bainite Faith is the Scepter of the Chosen Tyrant. Fazul Shembril originally had such an item before he was killed defending Zento Keep from the Shadow Bar. But Bane gave him the exact version of the same scepter, but this time to serve as a reminder of his failure, not as a reward. It is very likely that Fazul still has possession of this scepter. The mechanical and magical properties for this item can be found in the Forgotten Realms campaign campaign guide for 4th edition. If one was to create magical weapons that are... Significant for members of Bane's faith, I would suggest that you use Morning Stars as maces, as they are thought to be representative of Bane's gauntleted fists. Next, uh, the following are just some thematically appropriate magic items from official 5th edition sources that I feel the faith of Bane may have access to. From the Dungeon Master's Guide, there's the Adamantine armor, heavy armors ranging from your plus 1 to your 3s. Figurine of Wondrous Power, specifically the Obsidian Steed, Ring of the Ram, Black Dragon Scale Mail, Darn's Instant Fortress, The Defender, Gauntlets of Ogre Power, Horn of Blasting, Iron Bands of Bolaro, Dimensional Shackles, The Mace of Smiting, The Mace of Terror, Rod of Lordly Might, Rod of Rulership, Talisman of Ultimate Evil, Vicious Weapon, and plus one to plus three maces and morning stars. From Guildmaster's Guide to Muravnica, I would reflavor an Orzov Guilt Signet. From Baldur's Gate to Send into Avernus, there's the Battle Standard of Infernal Power and the Obsidian Flint Dragon Plate. Finally, from Xanthar's Guide to Everything, there's the Armor of Gleaming, Cast Off Armor, the Dread Helm, and the Smoldering Armor. All right, thank you for listening to this very long episode of Religion in the Realms. Hopefully, you found it very interesting and entertaining all the same. If you're interested in keeping up with the release of future episodes, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and follow the podcast Twitter account at RealmsReligion. These episodes are also uploaded to YouTube as well. The podcast YouTube channel can be found under Religion in the Realms. Audio versions of the podcast can also be found on Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play Podcasts. If you wish to get in touch with me with any questions or just want to chat, my personal Twitter is at Shiv's Embrace, or you can send an email to realmsoflegend at gmail.com, all in lowercase. Next episode, we will continue on with our discussion of the Dead 3. This time, the episode will be all about Mercule. I feel very confident in saying it will not be nearly as long. Until next time, may Timeora look kindly upon your dice rolls, Helm protect you, and let Thander light your path. Music for this episode, Division, by Kevin MacLeod of Incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0.